Hello world, hello internet. This is Mihail again with episode one of Woo! the JS Link show. I'm here with my co-host, Diana. Hi. She's gonna tell us about our first guest. We are here in the studio with Ciprian, the daddy of JavaScript, organizer of Bucharest GS, and co-founder and CEO at Morphle. He's going to tell us his story with entrepreneurship, building dev teams, specifically machine learning engineers, his lessons learned, and a couple of other nice stuff. Things about being a part of the Bucharest JS community. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm super excited to be here. So, um, yeah. So, tell us about Bucharest JS. How, how did you come up with the idea? How did Bucharest JS start? So, we actually, we actually started at the 1st of April 2015. Um, it was after attending a lot of uh, meetups across Europe. Um, everywhere I went, in London, in Copenhagen, Sofia, Budapest, Paris, there was these type of CityJS meetups. And I wondered if something like that, like that existed in Romania as well. You were there for food? In, in scratching well, for food in, in partly Europe? Partly for pizza and beer <laughs> and yeah. Tell us about the important stuff. How was the food at those meetups? I think we have these days better food at Bucharest JS than those guys had the... So another in reason London, to attend Bucharest Yeah, for pizza. Uh, so yeah, no, seriously, so back in 2015, <clears throat> uh, we had actually in Romania front-end Bucharest, if you guys remember it. Um, they started a developer community around front-end development. Uh, that actually also inspired me to create Bucharest JS, a group or a meetup meet focused on JavaScript development both front-end and back-end and also related technologies. At that point, I think, if I remember correctly, we also had a speaker uh, talking about JavaScript and IoT. Um, so yeah, this year actually it's going to be our fourth year of Bucharest JS. First, whoop, whoop. Yeah, that's going to be awesome and it's going to be a lot of pizza, of course. Uh, but I actually, I pulled up some, uh, some numbers for you guys. So uh, since 2015, we had 40, 40 editions of Bucharest JS. That's quite an impressive numbers, uh, number. We also had, um, uh, we also have uh, 1500 members on Facebook group, 1900 on meetup.com, over 50 speakers at our uh, meetups and about 75% of our meetups are or were overbooked <clears throat> in the sense that uh, in the sense that we had over 100 RSVPs. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I, I think I should uh, change the numbers on our website. I actually counted less Bucharest GS meetups, but then again, <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> you are also the co-founder of JS Hacks, the annual JavaScript hackathon. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, so actually this is, uh, this is something that Diana, we started together, if you remember back, back in 2016, and I actually wanted... <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't. Actually about that, I wanted to ask you both, do you remember your first Bucharest JS meetup? I still try to remember bits and pieces from my early life. It's yeah. coming back together <laughs> yeah, slowly. Yeah. 
I, I remember, I think it was somewhere in 2015 or something like that, June or something like that. I think Adrian Oprea was presenting about uh, himself being a no-stack developer. And that's when I realized I ha have to come there more often to see... Adrian. Adrian, right. <laughs> that, that's my main reason for coming to Bucharest.js. What about you, Diana? I actually, in fact, my first edition of Bucharest GS was as a co-host uh, after you left uh, the States and somebody had to continue your legacy of Bucharest GS meetups and I co-hosted along with Mihaitza. So yeah. yeah, that was my first one. Yeah, and actually... Actually, I think <laughs> I, I did a pretty good job, like better than the other than meetups. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm sure of that. I mean, in fact, uh, <clears throat> so back in 2016, I had the opportunity of going to, to the States. Uh, and I've been there for five months and I had the chance of attending uh, different other JavaScript meetups, uh, especially in New York. And I remember New York because these guys had JavaScript meetups per, um, uh, per every district, actually. So they had like Manhattan and they still have Manhattan JS, Queens JS, Brooklyn JS. It's like having here in Bucharest Pipera JS or Dristor JS. <laughs> With a lot of shawarma in Dristor. Yeah. That would be an interesting JS meetup. Yeah. Tell us the story about the whiskey JS. Oh yeah, so that um, uh, what surprised me when I went to I think it was uh, Manhattan JS. What surprised me was uh, surprised me was that ninety percent of the meetup was in fact all about entertainment, um, and only probably around ten percent was about JavaScript uh, JavaScript content, and part of that entertainment, uh, um, you know, I don't know um, agenda, if you will. One guy who was a developer at meetup.com actually uh, uh, came and presented his passion and his passion was to actually drink whiskey. And he actually brought a couple of bottles of really expensive whiskey and that's how JavaScript developers are rocking it in New York, I guess. That sounds like a thing I can be more passionate about than JavaScript. Yeah, me, me too. I think we should reconsider the beer and pizza, pizza menu yeah, yeah, <laughs> on yeah. our meetups. Okay. So if there are any sponsors out there. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, want to give us free whiskey, we're all in. So JS Hacks. Yeah, so, so that actually inspired me. And when I get back to, when I got back to Romania, um, I started wondering, okay, so we are now one year of doing um, Bucharest JS meetups, but is there anything else besides actually a meetup? Because people come to a meetup, uh, they spend a lot of, uh, they spend time um, uh, in that day, in that night, but then for another month, they don't interact and stuff, and stuff like that. So that's, that's how in 2016, uh, we actually got together. It was Diana back then. Um, Andre Antal, back now. Yeah. Uh, Andre Antal from uh, Angular Bucharest.js, uh, Andreas Fruit from Meteor.js, remember Andreas? Yes, we remember you Andreas, <laughs> never to be forgiven. Forgotten. Forgotten. Oh. And uh, it, uh, there was also Valentin Turek from Frontend Bucharest. Um, we had Nicoleta Iliuha from Kishinojs actually, and also Constantin Dumitrescu. So uh, all these guys, we got together and we 
Um, we said, okay, let's go beyond meetups and let's create these hackathons. Um, at that time, we had the idea of actually creating these hackathons or organizing these, these hackathons in different locations throughout Romania and even abroad. Um, so we had in 2016 the first edition, which was Open Data. Then uh, we followed with the one in 2017, which was the Blockchain Edition. And last year, you guys remembered, because you are, you were actually winners on all three editions. Uh, we had Don't the AI. To brag, but yeah. yeah, we're fabulous. Yeah, so 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 we had last year the the AI edition. And this year is going to be the um, EduTech Education um, uh, Edition, and it's going to take place like always in October. So yeah, that's the story of JS Hacks. Cool. Uh, a while back at uh, Bucharest JS, you talked about uh, the plan for finding 100 JS leaders in the Romania JavaScript community. Can you tell us more about that and what inspired you to start this project? Yeah, man. So, so that's I'm I'm super passionate about this subject, and for a, you know, after three years of organizing Bucharest JS, I started thinking of why am I doing this, and uh, out of nowhere, I went to How to Web conference, and I think you you guys know Andrei Pitish. <clears throat> He's an inspiring entrepreneur and an investor. Um, and he was in the jury um, at our first JS Hacks edition in 2015. Well, at How to Web, he told everybody that his mission for the next three years is to actually help one, to actually help create 100 Romanian entrepreneurs to become uh, millionaires. And I felt like this is an incredible mission. Uh, and I simply copied, I simply borrowed it, borrowed it, uh, the concept and applied it to our community. Basically, this mission um, of forging or surfacing 100 JavaScript leaders, uh, um, not developers, and this is a, uh, it's an important distinction, in the next three years. Basically, this is what I feel personally, it's the answer to the question, why Am I doing what am uh, what am I doing, or why we are doing what we're doing? Uh, so at least for me personally, this is the mission that aligns perfectly with my uh, uh, with my principles. Um, yeah. Okay. So, where are you at in the process of finding these one hundred leaders? How many do we have? Actually, I think when you presented the 100 leader, JS leaders, uh, there was a rumor in the community that you want to not be in the Bucharest JS meetup anymore. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us if those rumors are true or not? Um, okay, uh, so that's why we have to rehearse before actually recording a podcast, because that's a that's a really interesting. Uh, um, the question. Come on, man, we have to do some entertaining here. Yeah, yeah we're professional journalists. Look, I mean, I, what, I can, what I can promise you is that if I have to announce something ever, I will announce it uh, during this JS League podcast. Okay, uh, so you're just gonna record yourself and then <laughs> fly over the country, disappear. Yeah. 
Um, so you're assuming we're gonna invite you back to this podcast, right? Well, at least when I'm gonna give an important announcement to the community. Uh, But what yeah. was this 100 leaders about? Can you be more specific in terms of? Yeah, I mean, look. So after the what comes after the concept, the idea? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think, look, back in 2015, it was only me uh, starting up Bucharest JS, and um, um, then you came along. Um, you stepped up, stepped up when I was away in uh, US, and you co-hosted um, and co-organized some of the uh, Bucharest JS editions. Then uh, we also have Andrea Antal with the Angular JS Bucharest. We also had Andreas, and now it's you, Mihai, uh, uh, getting involved with uh, with this podcast. And uh, <clears throat> I think this is um, this is something that I envisioned. Uh, three years ago um, about this community basically um, engaging the JavaScript community and not only in Bucharest um, or not only with Bucharest JS but also with Angular through JSX through the things that you guys do now with JS League workshops and seminars and so on with the conference the Vox Days uh, front-end conference front-end uh, that is going to take place in May Um, so I think through all these initiatives and through all these meetups, hackathons, conferences, I think the role is actually to surface people that want to get involved into having an impact at a smaller or at a bigger level, at a smaller level within their uh, small teams at work, but at a bigger level driving trends or driving open source projects and so on and so forth. I mean, I remember back in 2016, we had Constantin Dumitrescu, which was one of the first speakers to present his open source project. And that for me, that right there is a leader. And through the next or in the next three years, I want to encourage other people to come forth and to inspire others. And we already have Eduard Budaku, who's already doing an amazing job um, in the faculty by inspiring young um, uh, students and future developers. Sabina, Alexandru Albu, who they, these guys are involved with, uh, with JS League. And I don't know, this is for me, this is simply amazing. And this is, um, Uh, this is something that I myself cannot do um, as a person. Uh, it's something that we as a community, uh, I know it's a, it's a strange or abstra- abstract concept, but this is exactly what I expect from a community. And I, this is the stage of ma- uh, maturity, if you will, for our community. But actually, let me ask you uh, guys the same question. Why are you involved in this JS community? Why are you doing JS League, uh, for example, Diana? I think for me, uh, it has been since high school, um, a sense of giving back or to the community or other people, the things that they've learned, uh, they, they've teach me. 
And I started with kids actually and teaching them programming a couple of years ago. And then naturally I found myself in the Bucharest GS community and stuff just happened. And it was like a roller coaster. And I found the support and actually the community inspired me to do something more and helpful. I think this is to sum up why JS League happened. Mm-hmm. To further form people, de- de- develop them, and help them in their process of becoming better developers and better selves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, so actually, first met and worked with Diana at the first edition of JS Hacks. Like I knew Diana from the community, but we never worked together and uh, we roped her in into our team to get her to build pretty things for, uh, for, <laughs> for winning the hackathon. And I think that worked. Yeah, pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Three years in a row. Yeah, we yeah. know that already. Yeah. <laughs> Showing off. And then uh, when Diana started JS League, at some point she came up to me and said, hey, do you want to get involved in this whole JS League thing? Like, and she told me a bunch of ideas and one of them was the podcast and myself being passionate about yeah. audio engineering, recording and stuff like that. I said, hey, a podcast, I'd nice. love to be on one of those. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing, you know, I mean, this is how leaders are uh, being, well, lead, I, I think being a leader means having an, an impact on others. You can't really create leaders. Leaders are simply, they, they simply uh, surface themselves because they have to have commitment and they have to have uh, impact on others. And this is not something that starts, I guess, um, from within, if you will. Uh, so hopefully this, uh, what you guys are doing and what other people that we already mentioned are doing are inspiring others in the community to step forward and to become speakers at AngularJS, at Vox Day's front-end, other conferences, and uh, also get, um, uh, get invited to this uh, awesome podcast. Yeah, this is the ultimate privilege. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So talking about leaders and leadership, Mm -hmm. uh, you've been uh, doing uh, entrepreneurship and running startups for a while now and uh, your latest and greatest startup and uh, one of the most interesting startups I've heard about in uh, in a while is uh, Morphal. So can you tell us a bit about Morphal and what you guys are building there and uh, about your story? Sure. Uh, so, so Morphal is um, my new startup. We actually started at the very beginning of 2018, last year, just after we got a grant from Google Digital News Innovation Fund. Um, basically, Google Digital News Innovation Fund, it's a partnership between Google and the publishers, media publishers in Europe. So this fund exists only in Europe, not in US or anywhere else. Um, so Morphol is basically a platform that uses big data and machine learning to predict user behaviors in digital products and services with the end goal of increasing product KPIs such as engagement and conversion rate and so on through personalization. Um, so we started last year at the very, very beginning by mid uh, mid-year 2018, we got accepted to European Data Incubator. 
um, which was really valuable for us because it put us in contact with a um, data partner that gave us data to build actually our machine uh, machine learning models. Because in in this world without data, uh, you you don't actually have an uh, ML model. Okay, so Did when you. you yeah. So, sorry, <laughs> did, did you have an already made and formed team or uh, starting this idea or how, especially in the machine learning field, it's, I think it's very hard to find engineers and specifically for your needs? Yeah, well, I actually, to be honest, I knew from day one that we needed big data and machine learning engineers. Uh, and together with Alexandra, she is the co-founder and CTO at Morphol. We started first um, looking for uh, big data and machine learning engineers within our uh, own network. And after a few unsuccessful uh, attempts, we had the chance of meeting uh, some amazing uh, people that actually built Morphol. So just to... Uh, uh, to give you some perspective, in three months, uh, last year, we had the alpha version out, uh, which is actually open source, and you can find it, find it on GitHub. And in another three months, um, by December last year, we launched the commercial version, um, which is basically a software as a service platform. Uh, I mean... Um, People, people usually see me when pitching, talking about Morphol, going through different events, but uh, Morphol is actually their result. And if Morphol is going places, it's actually because of them. Um, Dan Sherban, for example, he's an amazing big data engineer, and we're super lucky, lucky to, to have him. Uh, Mihai Purvu, an excellent machine learning engineer. Alexandru Barbulescu, um, a full stack uh, software engineer, uh, Laurenzo Mierle, data scientist, and Ruxandra Burtica. We're super lucky to have her as uh, an advisor because she also has um, startup funding experience, but she's also a machine learning engineer. She worked at Adobe and now she's with, uh, uh, I think, uh, CrowdStrike, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so how hard was it for you to find these people? How hard was it to find people that knew about machine learning and had machine learning experience in Romania. And I think, and I, I mean, it's really difficult to find um, people in general. Um, and I think this is this is some of the some of these things we also discussed initially when Diana you started with JS League because you also were looking for JS trainers, and yeah. we had this type of conversation. And it's really hard to to find people that are committed or that can be committed and so on. And I should say this, that based on my experience, I can honestly say that um, it's easy to hire people that want to learn machine learning. I actually had developers coming um, to me and wanting to join our team at Morphol. I would love to help those guys. Uh, and we're currently uh, seriously thinking about actually uh, organizing some sort of summer school or uh, boot camp for people that, that want to learn um, AI or machine learning. However, at this stage, I have to say that we need a master, master degree or PhD that actually know their shit. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, we don't have the resources as a startup at this point to invest in teaching 
people uh, AI or ML. Yeah, right. So when we were uh, trying to build a team for the this uh, the previous year's hackathon, the machine learning AI edition, we actually had a big uh, a big problem in finding people that knew about machine learning or AI in general. Like out of the 60 people, 60 plus people that were there, I think machine learning specialists, data scientists, and people yeah. that know AI were the were what most people, most teams were looking for. And I think in the end teams uh, like some people uh, gave up on their ideas and combined with other people just yeah. so that they could have someone that actually knows about machine learning and AI and uh, for our team as well like we needed to like we basically went through those workshops that you had that uh, at JS Hacks and that's how we learned about machine yeah. learning and we we needed to teach ourselves about machine learning to be able to build something uh, yep. to build something for that hackathon and yeah i, I think that skill set is very very rare out of those 60 people probably yep. i know like there are four or five people that had previous yeah, and experience I, and i think the percentage is quite right i mean at this point right now today we see people that want to learn uh, machine learning which is uh, awesome so they are switching from uh, different activities that they're doing, probably, I don't know, web development or full stack or DevOps to learning machine learning. But uh, uh, basically to answer your question, in general, hiring knowledgeable um, AI, ML or big data engineers is incredible, incredibly difficult. But I would say that hiring with the right or on top of that, hiring with the right startup mindset is even more complicated. Um, and it's actually the discussion not necessarily about AI, ML, or big data, or JavaScript, because Mihai, you also had some experience uh, hiring JavaScript developers, correct? Yeah, right. We we try to find, and yeah, I've been recruiting JavaScript developers for a while, and it's always tough finding the the right people, not just the people that learned JavaScript and know JavaScript, but people that also have a computer science background that know uh, like algorithmics and stuff like that. Uh, and it's hard finding people that are actually willing to learn more and always building on their existing skill set. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's where JS League comes into play, right? I mean, to filling up this gap. And I know that this is the type of conversations uh, we had last year with Diana as well. I was actually wondering if you know any good university programs as bachelor degree or master degrees in AI or machine learning or every other machine learning engineer you've come across is self-taught. Um, so I think here we have to make the distinction between using AI or machine learning and actually participating in research and development of AI and machine learning or deep learning models. Usually that research component is done in universities. You have to have computer science degree, go through the faculty, then masters, then PhD. That's where it's happening. Using machine learning, AI or deep learning, you can go through um, Udemy, Coursera, Andrew NG, uh, if you look it up on, on the internet, you can see a lot of um, uh, courses um, from Andrew NG. And I also recommend the, the courses for business people from MIT. Uh, you, you can uh, look it up. Um, and at the, the end of uh, February, Andrew NG actually launched another course, again, for non-technical people this time, called AI for Everyone. 
So those are great resources if you want to start up with um, AI machine learning and understand what's, what it's all about. Yeah, and uh, talking about that, just yesterday, Udacity, together with Google, launched a course called Intro to TensorFlow for Deep Learning. That's a course, a two-month course, especially created for people that don't have a math background. They're just for software developers that want to get into machine learning and TensorFlow, and I think that that's a great resource. I mean, the quality of Udacity courses has always been pretty high. Yeah, and it's important because you see AI in the next... Uh, 10, 20 years or even more, it's gonna, um, it's gonna come uh, or it's gonna impact all aspects of our lives. And it really doesn't matter if you're a researcher, data scientist, developer, software developer, or a business marketing person, it really doesn't matter. This is something that we're all gonna work with and we need to understand, to kind of embrace it, understand it, use it, not be afraid of it. And that's why these people are actually pushing uh, these type of documentations and, you know, uh, teaching learning resources. Okay. Yeah, but I, I know it's kind of a hard domain, technical domain to tackle, even for us poor JavaScript developers. Mm -hmm. So I guess, are there any barriers in terms of mindset? Well, funny you should mention that. Well, the short answer is that obviously with the right mindset, with the open and growth mindset, yeah, you do have the option to do that and you can do it. But I think the, the, the more important question, do you really want to do that? Is that your objective or the objective is actually to use AI within your product? to enhance your user or your customer, your product user's um, experience. And I think this is kind of the struggle that you, we also recognized at Morphle. That's why we built two versions of it, one which is open source and it involves, and it's actually built for big data and machine learning engineers. And the other one, which is built as a software, as a service, as a simple REST API. So then JavaScript developers, people that don't necessarily have AI or ML or big data knowledge can use those models as they would simply use a REST API. Cool. Okay, so even with all these uh, limitations and uh, skill shortage on the machine learning AI uh, skills, uh, how how did you manage to big such a build such a big team of developers and people that are passionate and know about machine learning? Well, I have to say that we we got pretty lucky uh, so far, and it's not really a big team. We have a core team of five developers, but we do have contributors uh, for the open source platform. Um, in fact. Uh, I, I actually have this mindset, personally have this, this mindset of always be hiring or being on the lookout for people that I, uh, I want to work with. Uh, so what I usually do is to meet with interesting people, smarter people than myself at conferences or meetups. And then I follow up with an invitation uh, for a one-on-one -on -one coffee or beer or meeting where I propose a pilot project. Um, a very defined project for one month or even more, uh, up to three months. And the idea is that during this time, um, we 
uh, will be able to interact with that new person and that person can actually interact and has the chance to see how we work as a team and if there's a fit um, uh, in culture and so on and everything and if everything goes well uh, only then we talk about a long-term partnership and I usually have to say this I mean I hire very slow but I fire very fast and this oh, is something we got yeah. a badass over here <laughs> yeah but this uh, this came actually in years and years of practice so yeah Talking about your team, uh, you've mentioned in a couple of your stories when we usually discuss about life problems and the universe in general, you've mentioned a couple of times Shane as yep. a, a really important person in this whole startup yep. scene. Yeah, so Shane, Shane Freeman, she, uh, he's um, um, basically an advisor for us at Morphle. Uh, in his own words, he's a Venn diagram of marketing, sales, and product. He's an amazing mentor for me personally, uh, but also an experienced business uh, executive with over 20 years uh, in the software as a service field in uh, in the States, in US. So yeah, I'm super grateful for meeting him back in 2016 and uh, because he's also involved with Morphle. Okay. Uh, you've been doing this for a while now and you've had uh, you've talked about Morphal at a bunch of uh, conferences and you've pitched Morphal in a bunch of different places. Are there any like interesting or funny stories about uh, about Morphal and about your team? Yes, tell us something funny about And you. here kids comes <laughs> the interesting part of our podcast. Yeah, what you've all wanted to hear all along. R really? Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I guess a few weeks ago we went to Bilbao uh, for the European Data Incubator uh, Demo Day and uh, um, with me, so we had Alexandra, Laurentiu and Mihai um, and it seems that, so basically in the, uh, at the Demo Day well, we had, uh, they selected six teams out of 16. So we were uh, one of the winners, but Mihai, our machine learning engineer, he's a really quiet, uh, uh, quiet guy, and he was incredibly ner nervous before the uh, announcement. And when they finally, uh, they finally announced us as winners, uh, he actually started uh, shouting in front of camera. So you have to picture people with cameras and so on. And he started shouting, holy fuck, holy shit, I can't believe it, we are actually in. Yeah, so I don't think those guys uh, um, can actually use anything from that uh, video recording, but that's something that we would definitely want to circle internally. That would be fun. So I guess you could read his lips. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you could definitely do that. But he's, he's a funny guy. So... What are some of the lessons you've learned uh, while doing Morphle and what are some of the things that you'd like, what are the most important things you'd like listeners to take away from, from your story? I think, uh, well, there are a couple of, um, of things that I also, you know, from time to time, I also um, get back to, to, to them and to uh, circle back to some of my experiences but building definitely the most important one I think that building teams is incredibly incredibly complicated and it takes a lot of time so starting so start early 
and never never stop if you want to hire somebody um, or you want to uh, get into a partnership with somebody um, basically when you need him or her that's already too late uh, and this is something that I've seen a lot of companies are doing uh, they also contact me personally and I think you also had this kind of experiences Diana with JS League yeah. companies are actually contacting us uh, when they need a developer like yesterday and I think we need to change that. And this is something that I tried to do over the past uh, years at Bucharest JS, trying to educate companies to get involved into the community and be present in the mindset of the developer. Um, and from this point of view, I have to say every matrix is a company that has done this every year. And I just wish there were there, uh, there are more companies like that supporting the community in general. Yeah, I think in time there will be more and more, we're going to see more and more companies that are more closer to the community. Yep. Wrapping up, future plans for Morphle. So yeah, if last year was, um, um, uh, so if last year was about validating the technical side, the technical aspects of uh, at Morphle, this year is about validating the business model and actually getting to revenue. We do have some, some interesting discussions, uh, some leads and some customers, uh, but obviously we have to scale that up. Uh, and I'm super excited that we're going to work on this uh, side, on the business, marketing, sales side with some people that I admire uh, very much. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that. So that's, that's our uh, plan for, for Morphle for this year. Okay. Uh, where can people find out more about Morphle? Where can they keep in touch with everything yep. you guys are doing? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's actually pretty easy. It's uh, Morphle.io or Morphle.ai. That's where you can find more details about the commercial version. And for the open source one, the community edition, uh, you can look it up on GitHub. It's Morphle.ai. Okay. So... We're going to wrap up this interview. Thank you, Ciprian. Thank you, Chip. Thank you, guys. Our first guest. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I admire the initiative that you guys have. I know, I'm, and I am super honored to be your first guest. And I wish, uh, and I wish you the best of luck with uh, everything that you're doing. And if there's anything else I can help you with, you know where to find me. Yep. Thank you. Thanks. Now that we got rid of Ciprian, we can focus on important things in this, in this podcast. We have three scholarships for women in tech from our friends from Wild Code School that are a French coding school recently opened in Bucharest, Romania, and in partnership with JS League, JS Girls, and the JavaScript community, they are offering full three months scholarships for, for their program. It starts in May and we have in the podcast yeah, page you, you the can link find where in you the can show apply. Notes. Yeah, yeah, we're going to put the link where you can apply in the show notes. And also speaking of free stuff, we also have a free ticket to Vox Today's Frontend and also a free ticket to JS Heroes for the most interesting answers we're going to get for the interview question of the week, which is... Do, 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 do. 
Given two arrays with positive integers in them and one variable that contains another positive integer, find the values in each array that add up to that variable. So this is the question. It's, it's a question I've actually seen in interviews and I've been asked these questions about a number of times. So if you guys know how to solve this, please tell me so that I don't fail those interviews next time. And uh, as always, you can uh, send us your, your interview question answers at show at jsleague.ro. And speaking about that email address, we got an email from last show from Bogdan, which is actually a co-worker of mine. Yes, kudos for Bogdan. Yeah, he told us he'd like to see longer episodes from us so he can listen to them while he's driving on the freeway back home. Yeah, this is why we've made this podcast. I, I think it, was, uh, it, um, it will be one hour long with Chip. Yeah, not, not one hour, but pretty close to that. So yeah, whenever, if you're driving or doing whatever else, something boring, you can always listen to this podcast on repeat until you get bored of us. Hopefully not. No way. And speaking of that, I think we can also announce our next guest for episode two. Our next guest from, uh, for episode two of our podcast is Florin Otto, the VP of product from Modex. We're going to talk about building products with blockchain, their dev platform and IDE and other cool stuff, blockchain cool stuff they do. And actually, this comes right in the in the right place because JS League and Modex were going to do a workshop. Workshop. Yes. Going to do a partnership on a workshop confirmed on the 2nd, 3rd and 4th of April. A series actually there uh, there are a series of blockchain workshops called decentralized apps with React and Solidity. Actually, the people that come here, we're going to, they are going to learn how to build a fully de decentralized app using blockchain, smart contracts, tokens, protocols, and learning some React.js in the process. Okay, so stay tuned for episode two, which is going to happen in two weeks. Yep. And, and we're going to announce the details of uh, registering to this workshop. Okay. Yep. Cool. So cool. that's it for episode one of the JS League show. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Yes. Bye.